message in our installment on the Ancient Future Church is on the fact that the church is to be an evangelical, sacramental, and a Pentecostal people. An evangelical, which means that we believe in the word, the proclamation and declaration of the word, and we believe that salvation comes only by the blood of Christ, and that we are made known and aware of this by the pronouncement and the proclamation of the gospel. That's what it means to be evangelical. Now, I know culturally we've hijacked that word. And evangelical means a whole bunch of things that it was never designed to be meant to be scripturally. To be evangelical doesn't mean to be conservative Republican. To be evangelical means we believe in the evangelistic power of God that is present when the gospel is proclaimed. That by the power of the cross that God defeated sin and death and hell and the grave, and by the power of the Spirit, he resurrected Christ from the dead, therefore securing his authority and his dominion over the enemy so that throughout all of eternity, the kingdom of God could reign. That's what it means to be evangelical. We are evangelicals. We're also Pentecostals. What does that mean? It means that we believe in the dynamic, immediate presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Can we get off on that? Yes. Can there be some extremes? Yes. But listen, I would rather, I would rather experience some of the extremes and work my way back to a place of a healthy middle than to completely disregard the the immediacy, the presence the dynamism, the gifting, the grace, the charismata, the guidance, the comfort, the power, the miracles of the Holy Spirit that are available for his people today and now. So I would, I would rather put up with some things that might be a little weird or under, mysterious or quirky or wacky based on personality or experience. I'd rather deal with that then try to shut all that down so that we can control things so that things can be exactly like we want them to be. God's kingdom and God's church and God's gospel were never designed to be what we want them to be. So we're Pentecostals. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit for now and for today. We're Pentecostals. We are Pentecostal, but we're not Pentecostals. I'll, I'll exp- we are Pentecostal. But we're also sacramental. Now, this is the one we're all like, that sounds funny. Listen, as Pentecostal people, we should be the most sacramental people of all. And here's all that this means. All this means is that we believe that somehow God in his mysterious power by his spirit takes natural things and he uses them. And he infuses them. So if you don't want to be sacramental, then we need to do away with our anointing oil. (laughs) We got to throw it out the window. Otherwise, all we're doing is getting clothes stained and people greasy and releasing some nice fragrance in the air while we're doing it. We got to do with our anointing oils. We got to do something with that scripture where Paul 
is working and he would wipe his sweat with his handkerchief and throw it out and people would take those things and all of a sudden people are being healed. We gotta, we gotta take that scripture out because we don't believe that God can actually marry the spirit and the natural if we're not sacramental, right? We gotta do that. And we gotta stop laying hands on people. Stop laying hands on people when they're sick or when they need healing or when they need comfort because if you don't have some kind of sacramental theology, then all you're doing is maybe providing a nice little comfort tap. That's all you're doing. But if you believe that there is some point of contact, that somehow spirit and natural are not designed to be these separated worlds, but they're supposed to be this merger and this fusion and this integration. And somehow God uses natural things and he, he works with natural things to bring about spiritual dynamics and realities. Then yes, lay hands on the sick and believe that they shall be healed. That's sacramental. That's why when we come to these natural elements, so you got to think about this. Where'd this come from? Where did this come from? Where did the bread come from? Now, you know, we use these matzo crackers and it's nice and cute, but, you know, really we should have a loaf here because of what it really represents symbolically. And where does that loaf come from? Well, it was harvested, right? It was harvested. Someone had to harvest that wheat. Well, where'd that wheat come from? Well, that came from a seed that was planted in the ground in the material world. And somehow we believe that God takes these material things like seed and ground and rain and they grow by the power and the mystery of God. And then, and then he, he works together with humans to harvest these things that produce now this loaf that we say somehow heaven and earth are way closer together than we realize. And so I'm not going to get into... Is it consubstantiation or transubstantiation? Is it the real? Listen, listen, listen. Here's, here's what I know. I know that God can take very, as prophetic people, we should be most inclined to this than anything else. We believe that God uses and works together with natural things to communicate, to unpackage and unveil and reveal spiritual truths and dynamics, and to be present. And that's why we come to this table. Okay, so that was what we were supposed to talk about today. <laughs> but why don't we just experience it? Now, we are going to, we're going to teach on it because it's not either or, right? All of our Holy Spirit class attendants. By the way, we had a phenomenal class this past Wednesday. And we're talking about this. We're talking about this tension between theology and experience, and they were never designed to work against each other. They're supposed to work together. So we have to have a sound understanding biblically and theologically of the things that we are experiencing. But we can't have these things at the exclusion of experience. So here's what we're going to do. In addition to many other things that we're going to do this service. So, by the way, if you're a guest today, <laughs> welcome. My name's Jay Duncan, and it's so great to have you here. Um, ushers, just hold on. Actually, what I need is I actually need the ministers of our table. Please get ready and get in place. See, we typically reserve this for the end of the service. But what has been happening this morning? What's been happening? Like, think about what's been happening this morning. 
you came in here expecting business as usual, three songs after three songs. We go in the prayers of people. You hear us calling, have mercy. Yeah, we pray for, we pray for the world. We're, going to, we're still going to do that. And then we transition and somebody comes up and they walk. Through, and that's what you were expecting. And there's an element of that that's healthy and that's good and that's right. But the purpose of a date night is not for me just to walk through a schedule with my wife. Maybe you got to hurry up and eat that dinner. Because after that, we're going to go to the movie. And after the movie, we're going to go and, you know, go to the bedroom and we've got to schedule everything. We're on a timetable here. Right? No. What is the purpose of that time and that space? It's intimacy. It's connection. It's for our heart to be awakened. It's for us to discover and to encounter and to love and fall in love and to be reminded. It's, that's what the purpose of our, one of the purposes of our time together is. And you know what, what this meal is? We're going we're gonna to go here in a second. Can you go with me, Alyssa? Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. And if you'll just dial in, let's just dial in to verse 28. We'll start there. Now, for those of you guys who are not aware of what's happening in Luke 24, in Luke, chapter 24, Jesus has come to earth. He has lived and have fulfilled his ministry, teaching, preaching, demonstrating the power of the kingdom, announcing that the kingdom of God is here. He was wrongfully accused, but God in his sovereignty knew that this was happening and designed for it to happen. He was put to death unjustly by the hands of wicked men, and he died on behalf of all of humanity so that he could not only cover over our sins, but he could remove our sins from us so that we, who used to be in a relationship with God, could now be reconciled to the Father. That is our gospel. His resurrection from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit not only ratifies Jesus' sovereignty and divinity, but it also demonstrates his power that is available in the world today now. That's the gospel. And so in Luke chapter 24, Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. And he comes back and he has this encounter with his disciples that are traveling down the road. And they don't know who he is. He's hidden from them. But as they're walking down the road, he's having a conversation. It's a conversation of friendship, and it's also a conversation where he's continuing to reveal the principles of the kingdom to them. And they have no idea who he is. Look at verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. So here he is walking with them all day long, and he's like, all right, guys, we'll see. And they're like, whoa, 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 you have awakened something inside of us. Think about this. You have awakened something. You have touched something Deep in our spirit, I would like to conjecture for us just here for a second. If there is not something inside of you at some point, and it's not going to be every day, but at some point of our journey, there be, should be something in God that is, that is calling us deeper. And when Jesus is saying, okay, this has been awesome, I'll see you guys, that there's something inside of us that cries out. Like we sang today, my heart and my flesh cry out. No, you're saying you want to go, but I need some more of what you've got. I need you to stay, or I need you to take me with you. Right? You know you used to be there. You used to be there when you went to the Word and you would open it up, and a 15-minute devotional wasn't enough. Remember that time? Remember that time when you were like, okay, 
I've got to wake up a little bit earlier or go to bed a little bit later because the 10-minute Oswald Chambers isn't getting it done. Jesus is walking on, and I want to go with you. There's something here that you've hidden inside of your word, and it's calling to me, and I need it. Huh? Or the 20-minute worship set. Guys, listen, I don't, listen, as long as I'm alive and as long as God calls me to steward this place, we will not have an hour-long service. It's not happening. We cannot do what we did today with an hour. And I, I ain't disparaging anybody. I'm just saying for the DNA of who God's called Antioch to be, we can't have an, an hour or an hour and a half service because if God says, I want you to hang out at my feet for a little bit, and we go, well, listen, we got to get the other service in here, God. And we're going to have multiple services. But we're going to structure those things in such a way that we have time to respond and to pursue. Because when Jesus says, I'm going to walk a little bit further, we've got to say, God, I need you to stay. i got to worship you a little bit longer. Y'all, see, y'all forget. I forget. We forget. I forget what it was like when I was in love. Man, you know, one time... One time, Christy's mom had to go out at 2 a.m. in the morning to my apartment complex, and they live 20 minutes away. You remember this? She's not here. Poppy's like, huh? Yeah, you were asleep, Poppy. You were asleep. Betty drives up, and we're just hanging out on the curb. We're just hanging. We ain't doing nothing naughty. We're hanging out on the curb. I can't remember if we were engaged or we were dating. I don't know. what. But we just, it just wasn't enough. And I can't tell you how many, I got to go. No. Okay, I'm just going to stay a little bit longer. All right, you should go. No, let's just stay a little bit longer. And again, nothing weird. Don't be getting all weird. It was just, it was just, man, we wanted to be together. We wanted to be together. There ought to be some kind of dynamic like that. When God's like, okay, we're done. I'm going to go. Oh, but, but. But can we just hang out a little bit longer? Let's let that be reawakened inside of us. I'm not looking for an emotion, guys. I'm not talking about emotional deal. I'm not talking about emotional hype. I'm talking about the reality of knowing God in that way. In that way. Because at the end of the day, you can get up here and you can teach me everything you want about every book of the Bible and not even know who God is. And not, and not, and not long for him. And not burn for him. And not burn to know him. So what, let's just keep walking along here. This is turning out way longer than I expected it to. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Okay, all right, no, sorry, next verse. Uh, dee -dee -dee -dee, verse 30, when he was at the table with them. Look at this. Well, let's look at, look at verse 29 one more time. They urged him strongly, stay with us. It is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. God will respond to your pursuit. But here's what you need to understand. Any pursuit that you have of God was never initiated by you. So we're sitting here going, oh, look how hungry and passionate and fervent. That's great. You know why? Because Jesus initiated it in them. Right now, I'm believing that God is initiating stuff inside of us. There's more. Come closer. Let me heal you. Let me restore that. Let me touch that. 
Let me reveal secrets to you. Let me be close to you. Let me comfort you. Let me reveal my heart to you. Like he's constantly throwing stuff out, breadcrumbs out, right? And then, and then we just taste and see and go, oh, my appetite is increasing for you. And that's what they're doing. They're responding. And when we respond, you know what God does? He responds in return. He always starts the process, though. So remember, they have no idea who this man is. All they know is something, they're experiencing something that they cannot articulate. They cannot put it into words. Christian, if I were to ask you to explain to me, to put into words your love for the baby that was just born to you, to write it out in a doctrinal thesis, to communicate it in such a manner that it was so compelling and inspiring for every single one of us that we would totally understand the things that you were experiencing in your heart as a newborn, as a father. Could you do that? Absolutely not. Can't do it. Can't do it. This is when you just go, ah, my, I just, my words fall short. Words are not enough. Thank God for the power of the Spirit. Thank God for the power of speaking in tongues. And I'm like, God, I have no idea how to articulate what's burning in my heart, so I'm just going to just pray in a heavenly language. That is available for every one of us. So helpful. What a grace that is. But watch this. Watch this. There's other, watch this. Keep watching, verse 30. It's, it's coming, watch. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, by the way, I'm going to tie, watch this, watch this. So we're singing the song today, as a deer pants for water. Like, let me encourage you guys, like, don't just sing the songs, like, actually allow the words of the songs to impact you. Like, to think. Don't sing robotically. Sing and think and process and integrate and go, oh, how does a deer pant for water? What does that mean? And God, am I longing for you in that way? And if I'm not, I will sing this, but I will now sing this as a prayer. And I will sing this as a song of petition to say, God, I want my heart to pant for you like the deer pants for the water. Stir my hunger for you again. Okay? Like, don't let just, let's, let's never go through the motions. So, you know what we were doing today? We were experiencing Advent. We were experiencing Advent. We're going to talk more about Advent when we get closer to Christmas. But I want you to, I want you to remember when we hit December and when we're talking about Advent, I want you to remember today. When we were saying, God, my heart and my flesh cry, I'm long, I'm aching for you. Now, remember a time, remember a memory, remember an experience, remember a person or a relationship that you ached for. Remember, I want you to think about that. Just like we did earlier today, go back to that same place. From time to time, Christy will go, oh, I just want to go to California. That's like, like we have a couple of places. We have Avon up there near, near, near Vail, and then we have places in California, and we ache for them. We long for them because of what they have facilitated for our family and because of what they represent and because of the intimacy that we experience in those places. So we, we, we have this advent. We have this, God, I can't wait till July comes. I'm longing for July so that we can, right? We're waiting for the advent of July. Is this making any sense to you? So we're experiencing Advent today when we say, God, I am aching. I am aching for you. I am aching to be at that table with you. I am, I am aching to know you in a way that is unfiltered. 
That's Advent. That's a part of Advent. Watch this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. And he gave thanks. And he broke it. And he began to give it to them. Hearts are burning. Gospels being proclaimed. Teachings going forward. All this is amazing stuff. But watch what happens in the next verse. And then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. Listen, if we just turn this into this kind of morbid, introspective, reflective, God, save me, I'm a sinner. Should I take it? Did I repent enough? I don't want to be smitten. No, this, this, is, this is a meal of intimacy. My daughter just turned 11 on Friday. And on Thursday, so now, now we've kind of adopted this family tradition. We always have a, we, we have a meal every night, but now we have a special meal. It's a special meal. And perhaps now one of the f- most, my most favorite articles in my house is our table. Is our table. It is this place. We put the phones away. We prepare. We cut out time. It's not rushed. It's not hurried. We have questions that we ask. We have stories that we share. Our heart and our emotions are, are bared out one with another. We, we tend to one another. We absorb each other's presence. And we allow this discipline to fuse our hearts together in the presence of the Lord. It is my absolute favorite furnishing. and is my absolute favorite time of the day to be present. Not only with our family, our extended family, and even friends who are invited into that space. That is what's happening here. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he went to a table with his closest friends. And he says, guys, we're going to have one last meal. And it's a family meal. It's a meal of intimacy. It's a meal of longing. It's a meal of friendship. In the early church, they called them agape meals, which means love meals. They were love feasts. Love feasts. And the Romans would actually watch the, the, the Christians have these love feasts. And at these love feasts, the poor and the rich would eat together. And at these love feasts, there was no Methodist and Lutheran and Presbyterian and Baptist and Baptocostal and Anglican. It was, it was we are fa- ardent lovers and followers of Jesus. And one of the things that he gave to us in his apostolic succession was this meal. Whatever you do, come together and share this meal and know that I am present in this meal and this, there's something happening in this meal that is bigger and beyond you and I am present with you and I'm administering grace to you and there is something that is eternal because listen, 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 when we get together again, and Jesus says this in Luke, he says, I'm not even gonna eat like this again until we get together. And he says, I'm gonna leave you something, I'm gonna leave you something that is a piece of heaven on earth so that when you come, you're going, you're going, I can't explain this. I've been here before and, and I will be here again and, and there's coming a day when the largest family reunion in all of history, guys, we're going to be sitting at the table with Abraham. We're going to be sitting at the table. Yo, Abraham, Abe, are you pass me no biscuits, man? Beer's looking pretty good, man. Sitting at the table with Ruth. Sitting at the table with people that died at, at the stakes 
sitting, I mean, I don't, I'm going to be like, I don't, I don't deserve to be at this table. And Jesus says, nope. You deserve to be at this table because this is my feast. I'm throwing this party and we're all going to be sitting here. So when we sit together and we come and we take this, it, it's, it's like the future is calling to us. It's amazing. Like, you want to talk about sacramental. Hebrews chapter 12 says there's an amazing cloud of witnesses that are peering over the grandstand of heaven, watching what is happening right here, saying everything that you do has eternal significance. And when you touch something in the material, it is, it is, it is touching something in the spiritual. I don't know why we have such a hard time with this. We watch Marvel movies and go, that is awesome. Look at the portals being opened up. And, and when he touches the Tesseract, it's like, oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, you touch the Tesseract, and woo, I'm like, ah, that's cool. Then I say, hey, listen, when you touch the Tesseract, something is open, and you're going, no, that's, that's religious. Why is that? We can read comics and watch movies and watch Defenders and watch DC and watch Marvel and go and watch Transformers and we can see this, this, this marriage of heaven and earth and then all of a sudden we come in here and we go, no, uh-uh. What are becoming Roman Catholics? Think, guys. This is a meal where, where heaven and eternity is calling us. It's calling us. So here's how we're going to come to the table today. We're going to come in this posture of advent and intimacy, and we're going we're gonna to actually going to receive the table in small groups. Man, if you're here today for the first time, we are so excited you're here. You may never come back, but we hope you do. Because listen, our experience is, is, is God is calling us to be a family. And here's how I want, us, I want us to come and receive the body and receive the blood of Christ. And then I just want us to just, just circle up and let's not just get together in our families. How easy it is for me just to get together with us four and no more. Like reach out and have somebody else together with you and administer these elements, and here's what, I, here's what I want our faith to be directed to. God, would you awaken a holy hunger for a deeper intimacy with you? And all around this room, find a little space. In fact, I need some ushers to help pull this up here, because after we all receive, this will be a space. This will be a space, corner, back corners, back row, wherever. Go out into the foyer. I don't care. Go out to the atrium. It looks gorgeous out there. Find a space. And pray that God would encounter us afresh and he would awaken a hunger and a longing inside of us. Can I get one person who's in agreement with this today? Come on, stand to your feet, Antioch. <laughs> Make sure you come back. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, blessed Trinity present with us today. God, wow, wow, wow. Overwhelm us, God. Overwhelm us. God, I pray that we would just sit in the waves and just let them crash over us. Just crash over us today.
Lord, as we come and we behold the body broken for us and we behold the blood shed for us. God, this body and this blood that called outsiders into a family and this body and this blood that says, that pronounces, that announces to the heavens and to the earth, God's kingdom is here. The universal reign of the king has begun and it is happening. Lord, I pray that something deep of the spirit would transact as we gather in small communities and friends and families and we share this love meal together. Let us fall, let us be drawn more into love with you and to one another and to the world. We pray this today in Christ's name.